Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Sports Desk Podcast, the official podcast of the Utah Statesman. I'm your host, Parker Ballantyne, and thanks again for tuning in, and welcome to the show. We have a big show this week as we have Bull Week underway, Utah State takes on the Oregon State Beavers and the LA Bowl and we've been uh, kind of talking about that coming up into this game and I am really excited for this matchup. This is going to be a sweet matchup between a top tier Mountain West team against a middle tier Pac-12 team. Our second Power 5 matchup of the year and it should be a really really good game and i'm really looking forward to it we're going to talk about that we're also going to talk about men's hoops who will be playing against the iowa hawkeyes that same day and of course we have to talk about the win down in ogden against the weaver state wildcats as well Uh, a lot of good there to talk about as well as some not so good that we can uh, we can address as well in that game so Let's go ahead and get kicked off here. I want to start off by talking about Utah State basketball. And with that basketball team, we have a game to kind of look back at, that Weber State game, the win. And then I also want to take a quick look ahead at the Iowa Hawkeyes game, a neutral site game that we have coming up on Saturday. Saturday's going to be a huge game for Utah State. Um, So get ready to park yourself on a couch with your family, watching uh, TV all day long, or either be in LA or be in Sioux Falls. Make sure you're watching that because uh, lots of uh, lots of stuff going on for Utah State. Huge opportunity to go into the weekend and come out on the other side in really really good shape in two different sports, um, depending on how this weekend goes. So really exciting opportunity. Two Power Five teams in the same weekend on the same day. Not sure that's ever happened before, um, but regardless, a, a huge opportunity. So let's look at that Utah State. Weber State game, Utah State coming off a win against New Orleans. Prior to that, two back-to-back losses to St. Mary's and BYU. So Utah State goes down to Ogden. It's a road game against the Wildcats. And Utah State just uh, took care of business, beat the brakes off of the Wildcats. Final score is 95-80, to so a 15-point difference there at the end. Um, and that's just about the closest it was all game long. Weber State was not competitive in this game. Um, and that's a, a really good Wildcats team, by the way. Um, but they, they were just not competitive, could not find a way to compete with Utah State. Um, so let's take a look at this game. Let's talk about the bad first, then we'll talk about the good. Because like I said, there is a little bit of both. And the bad might be a little bit alarming. And and the good is, is pretty good. So uh, the bad is... Basically, two injuries for Utah State. Justin Bean and Ryland Jones. Obviously, it's never good to see a kid get hurt. It's not what you want to see. You never want to see injuries, uh, whether it's your team or the opposing team. So, obviously, it's 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 terrible that these two kids got hurt. Um, but just on a basketball level, they both are starters, and that could have a, a really big effect on this week coming up. So, Justin Bean has a sprained ankle. He did play in the game, but came out of the game with only two points and one steal, two assists, um, six rebounds. He only played 21 minutes of this game, uh, checked out and did not come back in um, with that with that sprained ankle. It's not a major sprained ankle, and Coach Odom is, as of right now, saying he's a game-time decision on Saturday, and so we'll see how that develops. Obviously, you would love to have him back in that lineup against the Hawkeyes, but you also don't want to rush him back, especially on something like that where it's an ankle, where we we see ankle injuries in 
basketball all the time and we see players rush back and it tends to get a little bit worse if they do so we really want to make sure he's healthy but we would love to see him in that lineup he is the leading scorer he's the leading rebounder uh, not only on the team but uh, on national leaderboards as well he's he's uh, showing up there as well so Justin Bean obviously a vital part of this team and was unfortunately not in great shape against the Weber State Wildcats hopefully he can get better by the time we play Iowa if you can't, that's fine. It's something we are understanding of. Like we, we know what's going on there. They're being pretty transparent about this injury. Um, and if he is not better and he's not 100% by the time we play Iowa, hopefully he still does get a speedy recovery. And obviously we wish that on him and, and anybody else who gets hurt. Um, the other injury to address was a little bit more scary of an injury. It was Ryland Jones. And let me just say, Logan Bonner, I think, still might be the toughest kid I've ever met. Um, but Ryland Jones is right there with him, and he's uh, not making that an easy statement to say. Ryland Jones is really, really a tough kid as well, and we've seen that all season long. Um, his style of play combined with his toughness, he spends so much time on the ground, and he's just bouncy. He just hits the ground and gets right back up. So obviously just a really tough kid, but also plays a style of play where he does uh, get get banged around a lot. He does spend a lot of time on the ground. So Ryland Jones goes down um, kind of on his back, and uh, the, the replay, they only showed it once in the, the arena. Um, and it didn't look good, certainly. He lands on his back and kind of snaps his neck back into uh, – snaps his neck back, hitting his head on the hardwood, which is never, ever anything you want to see. Um, head and neck injuries are really, really scary – um, in football and basketball, it's just something you would obviously, you know, like I said, you would never wish that upon um, any any player on any team um, because those can have such major consequences both in, in their athletic career and out of their athletic career as well. Um, so he, he does hit his head, and obviously that's something the trainers and the coaching staffs are very careful with. So they all run out, and he isn't moved for a minute, and they are looking at him and kind of taking care of, of him, and eventually they do get him up. Um, and again, I don't want to speculate or anything, so I'm not going to speak too much on uh, what it looked like in the arena, but he does get up and uh, is helped off the court. Um, wasn't uh, wasn't obviously taken off on a stretcher or anything like that, but he also, I wouldn't say, was under his walking out under his own power as well. He was getting a lot of help. Uh, they got him off the uh, court and sat him down again. Uh, took another look at him and then and then moved him. So pretty uh, pretty scary to watch that happening in the arena. Again, Ryland Jones is a tough kid, so I know he's going to be all right. That's just what he does. But um, it, it was uh, not not what you want to see. That's not what you want to go down to Ogden for um, and see that. So he since then uh, they've said that he was it was not a concussion, which is great. That's that's exactly what you want to hear. Um, seeing a kid's head like that hit the ground. Um, the number one thing you want to hear is that it's not a concussion. It was more of a neck injury, which is still kind of scary. It's not great to have neck injuries, but they are saying that he's a game-time decision on Saturday as well, which tells me that it's probably not very um, serious of an injury. Um, and that that's great because it, it probably means that it's um, probably sore. It's probably really sore, really painful, but he's a tough kid. He's going to fight through it. And, and what it tells me is that it's not going to have serious effects on his playing career moving forward. And that's, that's just good news for, uh, for Island Jones. Anytime something like that happens, is just, uh, is not good. So he, it sounds like he's going to be just fine. Probably going to take him a couple days to get feeling better. He definitely felt that the next day. I can tell you that. And hopefully he is good to go on Saturday as well. And if not, just like Justin Bean, we wish him a speedy recovery. 
Um, and hopefully that comes by Saturday, but you don't want to rush him back. Um, just like an ankle, a neck is the same thing. You know, you move your neck so much during these games. Uh, you might not think about it, but being down on the court, you can see, uh, obviously, it's just they, they're always moving their heads around. Um, and, and if his neck is not 100%, it's not something you want to risk because you can make that a lot worse. So hopefully they are both good to go. Hopefully they can get the green light from the medical staff. And if not, hopefully they keep working on that and get 100% uh, soon thereafter but uh, those are the two injury updates not a huge update in terms of availability we don't know yet both will be game time decisions um and in that scenario i wouldn't be surprised at really any outcome i wouldn't be surprised to see them both suit up i wouldn't be surprised to see them both on the bench um and anything in between there i wouldn't surprise me either i will say if they are in the lineup my guess is they'll be both be playing reduced time uh especially justin bean from his Regular time, he plays pretty much the whole game. He doesn't come out of the game a lot. So um, I would assume that's not the case on Saturday. You're probably going to be a little bit more careful with uh, Justin Bean and his ankle and Ryland Jones and his neck uh, just because it's better safe than sorry. We have a lot of basketball to go. Uh, we have a lot of games to play. We got a lot of games to win. We need them healthy for that. And that's uh, beyond the point of their personal health and their personal well-being, which we also are looking out for as well. And I know the coaching staff does as well. So uh, with that out of the way, both those injuries happening in Ogden, let's take a look at the rest of the game because other than those two plays, other than those two injuries, there was not a lot of bad about this game. Utah State scoring 95, had a chance probably to score 100, but obviously came off the breaks at the end. And the name that we need to be talking about is Steven Ashworth. He drops 27 points, was one shot away from a 30-piece. I think he kind of wanted it. You could tell at the end he, I think he wanted it. I wanted him to get it. You can't blame him. He was, uh, it's a career high for the kid. 27 points is a lot of points, but for him to get that 30-piece would have been great. Um, and you could tell he kind of wanted it. 27 points. And by the way, that's coming off the bench. Obviously, uh, a little bit more usage with Justin Bean and Ryland Jones out. So not only a lot more usage, but also Justin Bean is the primary scorer for this Aggies team. So it had to come from somewhere, and it came from Stephen Ashworth. 27 points, and not only that, he had four assists. He had uh, two rebounds to go along with that. Um, he shot 9 from 17 from the field and 7 of 11 from 3, which is nuts. 7 of 11 is a really, really good clip for Steven Ashworth. Um, there were times when I just thought he wasn't going to miss again because he was just so hot. The rim probably looked like a two-lane highway uh, the way he was shooting the ball. He was just not missing. He was so, so good um, and really kind of necessary in this game. Weber State's a team that we probably beat uh, pretty easily, but you go in and you immediately lose... Uh, two of your guys, or at least at some point in the game, you lose two of your main guys. Uh, we still win by 15, but without Steven Ashworth's 27, obviously we uh, we don't win that game. And there's probably scoring that could have come from somewhere else, but uh, for Steven Ashworth to be able to step up and just put the team on his back, coming off the bench, score 27 points in 32 minutes uh, in, in a game that he was probably not supposed to play as much in was huge. And... The team obviously gets out to a big enough lead towards the end where we get a lot of our bench uh, guys to come in. And really it was Stephen Ashworth that went and took that lead for uh, for Utah State because he, he made it possible for a lot of those other guys to get um, time as he really just put away the Wildcats and did not let them 
play a competitive game of basketball. Um, other than Stephen Ashworth, let's talk about some of the starters. Two of the starters, Justin Bean and Ryland Jones, obviously their numbers will not look as great because they did not play the whole game. Uh, Justin Bean, we talked about his numbers, the two points, six rebounds. Um, Ryland Jones ends the night with seven points and one rebound. Of course, he still finds a way to get six assists um, because that's what he does. He also had a steal um, to go along with that before he came out of the game. The high-scoring remaining starter was Brandon Horvath. He's becoming very, very reliable. He had 20 uh, tied with Brock Miller actually as well. Um, Brandon Horvath has been super reliable. He is probably just going to average 20 points a game um, going here on out, especially if Justin Bean has to take an extended sit down and uh, same for Ryland Jones. 20 points, one steal, four assists, and 14 rebounds for Brandon Horvath. He was just having a heyday. Um, they could not stop Brandon Horvath in the paint. They couldn't out-rebound him. Um, 14 rebounds is the high of the night in this game. So um, Brandon Horvath was just unmatched down low. Other than Horvath, we did talk about Brock briefly. He had 20 points. Um, he also had seven rebounds, and... He got his 20 points from 8 of 11 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3, which is still a really good percentage, uh, just not quite as high as Stephen Ashworth. But this team is uh, a really good 3-point shooting team, and they move the ball really, really well. The only starter without an assist, and really the only player that got significant playing time that did not get assist, was Brock Miller. Everybody else had at least one assist. Brandon Horvath with 4, Justin Bean with 2 in his limited time, Ryland Jones with six in his limited time. RJ Idlerock with three. Brock Miller, of course, didn't have one. And then Max Scholga came in and got four. Stephen Ashworth with four as well. They get a lot of assists. They had 23 assists on the night. Weber, for example, had nine. Um, Utah State just moves the ball really, really well. They play a really pretty game of basketball. Um, Scholga also got some pretty significant playing time. 21 minutes for the kid. Five points, four assists, five rebounds and was two of three from the field. Um, so no Z Hamoda tonight, unfortunately. I've been really excited to see him play some more. Um, not a lot of Sean Bearstow either, who's another guy that I'm really excited about. But Utah State, at the end of the day, just dominated this Wildcats team um, really across the board. Rebounds, Utah State had 40. Weber State had only 29 you're not going to win any games if you get 29 rebounds and your opponent gets 40. So Utah State dominating the glass. 23 assists to Weber's 9, which is huge as well. Utah State with 5 steals, Weber with 4 in in a game that just was not close. Um, former Aggie Kobe McEwen um, did have an alright night. He was the leading scorer for the Wildcats, which is not a surprise because he's a really good basketball player. He had 26 on the night. He also had four rebounds. Um, Kobe McEwen is is a baller. He's really fun to watch. So uh, it was fun to see him again, even if he was uh, wearing purple down in Ogden. Um, so that is uh, definitely someone that is of interest for us Utah State fans as he's uh, um, playing down at Weber, and we wish him the best. Let's move on now and talk about the future for Utah State basketball. Big game on the horizon, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Let's take a look at that game real quick as well before we get into our bowl game against the Oregon State Beavers. The Iowa Hawkeyes are a good basketball team. They are a team that is maybe hard to get a read on right now, but they are a good basketball team. They are favored to win this game, according to the matchup predictor on ESPN, 72.4% to 27.6%. 
Um, the Hawkeyes are seven and three. They have only three losses to Purdue, two in the nation at the time, Illinois and Iowa State, seventeen at the time. No bad losses really for the Iowa Hawkeyes, and some pretty big wins as well including a program well familiar with the national championship game, the Virginia Cavaliers. So definitely a big opponent for Utah State. Neither team is ranked in any major poll, although Iowa has been flirting with it at times. Uh, definitely has been close and could be close again, depending on what they do in the conference, just because of how loaded that conference is. But let's take a look at the net rankings and some other metrics because uh, they, they are a really good team. So in the net ratings... Iowa is currently sitting at 32. They were previously at 31, but they're really uh, consistent in that low 30s range. They are 7-3 overall, 1-2 on the road. Um, this is our first neutral site game of the year, uh, so that'll be fun for them. They're 6-1 at home, 0-3 in quad one, so all three of their losses are coming in that, that quad one. Uh, we talked about Iowa State. Illinois, Purdue, working backwards there. Uh, quad two, they're one and zero. Quad three, they're one and zero. Quad four, they're five and zero. So Iowa really just kind of taking care of business, settling into maybe a low quad one, high quad two team, beating everyone they should, losing to the teams that are uh, maybe better than them. And this is this is going to be a good good matchup. Interestingly enough, Utah State in the net ratings is thirty one, just above Iowa, and was previously thirty two. So Utah State and Iowa just switched spots this week. Utah State rising 1 to 31, Iowa dropping 1 from 31 to 32. Utah State is 7 and 3 overall, identical record. On the road we are 1 and 1. That would be down in Provo the loss, down in Ogden the win. We are 4 and 0 on neutral site games, which is of course the Myrtle Beach Invitational, three games there, and then the game that we played against Richmond in the Veterans Classic up in the Naval Academy, 4-0 in those games, which, by the way, are huge. There's two games there that are really going to look good in Richmond and Oklahoma, one that's going to look pretty good in New Mexico State, and beating Penn doesn't hurt for sure. At home, we're 2-2, two two, only one bad loss there, I think, with the loss to UC Davis, the other coming to St. Mary's. And then breaking it down into quads, Utah State hasn't played a quad three team. Other than that, we have played uh, multiple teams in each quad. One and one in quad one, three and one in quad two, quad four, we are three and one. The one loss in quad four, UC Davis, is going to hurt. That game is not a fun loss at all. But having a quad one win is helpful. That's something that not even Iowa has right now, and that is really good for us. So Utah State, although it's kind of predicted that they will lose, I wouldn't be so sure. I think Utah State might have the better team if healthy. Now, a lot of that is going to depend on whether or not Justin Bean plays and to what extent, whether or not Ryland Jones plays and to what extent. But those two guys will have a significant impact on this game. And honestly, either way, I think Utah State could find a way to win this game. I think they have a fighting chance either way. And if Justin Bean comes back and is healthy, and if Ryland Jones comes back and is healthy, I think Utah State is the better team. And we have the chance to go 5-0 and at neutral site games and pick up another Power 5 win. Um, so this could be a huge opportunity for Utah State hoops, especially with just one more out-of-conference game before getting into conference play where it's really going to be a, a grind from game one to the championship game. 
So Utah State looking forward, a tough one against Iowa, and then bringing it home for Portland State before kicking it off against Air Force for the conference uh, for the conference play. Let's take a look at football now because that's enough for basketball. This is our last game of football, and then it's all basketball all the time, and that's going to be fun. But football season's not over yet, and what a ride it's been in football. I wish this football season could go on forever, but we still have one more week to go 1-0. The bowl game against the Oregon State Beavers, and it is shaping up to be a really good matchup. So Oregon State, as a reminder, coming out of the Pac-12, the fifth place team in the Pac-12, that's the contractual obligation to go play in the LA Bowl along with the Mountain West champions, which if you guys haven't heard, the Mountain West champions are the Utah State Aggies. I'm not sure if you guys have heard that or not, but uh, we, uh, we did win the Mountain West championship game against San Diego State. So that game should be a really good matchup. Um, both teams coming off probably unsuccessful and probably disappointing years last year to really good seasons this year, or really good at least for Utah State and uh, and and good for the Beavers. They didn't have a bad season at all coming in at seven and five. So Utah State ten and three, the Beavers seven and five. Um, the Beavers had only two wins last year. Utah State just one. So both are definitely on an upward uh, upward trend. And it would be really fun to, to play these guys and play them again in a couple years just to see where we're at. Uh, because I think Utah State is really on a good trajectory um, to really improve. But um, at any rate, this uh, game is looking like it's going to be an offensive battle, which... I mean, we, we thought the opposite against San Diego State, and it didn't turn out to be true. We thought that game was going to be a pretty big defensive battle, but we ended up blowing the doors off of that game and doing a lot of scoring. But this game really is looking like it's going to be an offensive battle. Both teams have really, really big offenses, uh, really, really elite offenses. Utah State's being led by Logan Bonner, who I mentioned him earlier in the show, just being one of the toughest kids around. Um, but he's also just insanely talented. I can't wait to have him on this roster for uh, this uh, this bowl game. And then, of course, in the next year, I think he's going to carry this team to uh, really high highs. I mean, he's already carried this team to, in many ways, an unprecedented height. Um, in that ch conference championship game, which we hadn't done before. So I'm excited to see what Logan Bonner can do leading this team for one more year. On the other hand, uh, the Beavers have a really good offense as well. They are averaging 32 points per game, almost 33 points per game, 33, uh, 32.75 points per game, and 430.5 yards per game. Um, that is actually really, really comparable to Utah State's numbers. Utah State is averaging 33.2 points per game and 450.4 yards per game. So points to points and yards to yards, it's Utah State with 33.2 points per game versus Oregon State's 32.75. So 33.2 to 32.75 is really, really close. And then yards to yards, Utah State averaging 40. 450.4 yards per game to Oregon State's 430.5 yards per game. So again, 450.4 to 430.5, very, very similar. These offenses are both not only similar, but really, really good. Utah State's defense, I think, has been better and has been more consistent throughout the season and throughout the year. Um, although the Beavers are getting things a little bit more figured out on the defensive end. One recurring storyline all season long for Utah State has been our front seven versus the opponent's front seven. What it's going to look like in the trenches. We talked about it with Mark Greenwood who says this battle is going to be won in the trenches and that I think is really true. 
our defensive line versus their offensive line is going to be a huge matchup on Saturday um, because Oregon State's offensive line has done a really good job protecting the quarterback, whereas Utah State's defensive line has done a really good job getting to the quarterback. So far this season, Oregon State's offensive line, they've only given up 10 sacks, um, and that's across 12 games. So that is a really, really stout offensive line, probably one of the better offensive lines Utah State is going to have to go up against. Um, Utah State had five sacks against San Diego State. They do such a good job of getting into the backfield and causing problems for quarterbacks, um, and, and they weren't supposed to do that against San Diego State. Hopefully they can do that in a game where they're not supposed to against Oregon State as well. Um, we, we know that Utah State's defense and their defensive line ranks among top of the nation in tackles for loss and sacks per game and all these uh, all these pretty important metrics. And so Oregon State's ability to stop that will be really huge for, you know, a key to the game for them winning this game. And on the other hand, Utah State continuing that success of causing problems for the quarterback is going to be a key to success for them winning this game. I think one name to keep a close eye on, uh, it's been the case all season long, but Justin Rice. I think Justin Rice, um, as that all-star linebacker for Utah State, is going to be a huge part of this as well because he's a huge part of Ephraim Banda's aggressive, chaotic defensive scheme, uh, which includes pushing that front line into the backfield and then keeping those linebackers where they need to be to cause problems, whether that's dropping back into coverage, picking off balls or, or swatting them out of the air, getting interceptions, uh, breaking up passes, or sneaking them in to get sacks. I mean, it's it's not uncommon when we see Justin Rice tackling the quarterback for loss. So Justin Rice and his ability to be aggressive in this game and to run Coach Bonda's defense is going to be huge. Um, and the same goes for guys like Cash Gilliam and Nick Henniger who do different things, but their execution is going to be really, really important. We saw, I think, one of the best games for Nick Henniger in this last game against San Diego State, that championship game, where he probably had the night of his life getting into the backfield, causing problems for the quarterback, getting a hand on, on the pass right as it comes out of the quarterback's hands. Um, and if he can do that again with Justin Rice performing and, and executing that defensive game plan, it's going to be a really, really good night for Utah State. Um, Byron Vons and Mar Marcus Moore as well um, in that in that group of guys that just, if they can execute and do their job for Coach Bonda, Coach Bonda is going to have the right game plan in place. You can bet on that because that's been true all year long. So if the guys can get out and execute that, that's going to be really, really good for Utah State's defense, really good for the team, and it's going to make the job of the offense a lot, a lot easier as they can get out and settle into their offense. And this Utah State team, they've played good under pressure. They've played well when they have two minutes to go, down by three, down by six, whatever it may be. They're really good when they're rushed, but I think this team is best and this is true of, of most teams, this team is best when they get to run the offense that they want to and when they can settle in and utilize the weapons that they have the way they want to. And whether that's Devin Tompkins, who is the greatest weapon in college football right now, or whether it's Brandon Bowling, or whether it's Derek Wright, someone who people don't pay attention to for some reason. You know, you might slack off on Derek Wright in film. Um, whatever weapons we're using, we are best when we get the full arsenal and we get to do what we want instead of desperately fighting from behind. Because when we're fighting from behind... The game plan becomes somewhat predictable. It's Logan Bonner drops back, waits for Devin Tompkins to get deep, and that's where you go. Um, so when we're playing from ahead, we get to use more of those options, utilize other guys that aren't named Devin Tompkins who 
like I said, he's the best weapon in college sports right now. But when you can utilize other guys around him, it really makes it hard to defend. So if our defense can hold the offense and keep our offense on the field for as long as they need to be, that's going to be a huge, huge thing for this Utah State team. So when it comes down to it, I don't know that Utah State has the better team. I don't know that Oregon State has a better team. I really think this is a pretty good matchup. I think, personally, Utah State has the edge. I think they are hungrier. I think they are more prepared. Uh, these guys are ready to go. I, I think Utah State can go in there. I think they can take care of business. Of course, I don't I don't know that it's going to be a blowout. I, I am expecting a close game. But, hey, I was expecting the same thing in that championship game. And Utah State took the hammer to the Aztecs and really blew them out. So, Hopefully we can get another performance like that, but at the very least, I am expecting Utah State's defense to come out and be aggressive, cause problems. I'm expecting Utah State's offense to come out and put the ball in the air, take shots downfield, and, and establish that run game early on so that they can rely on the on the throwing um, because that's what Logan Bonners does best. And so I think we can see a balanced attack coming. I think that's what Utah State does uh, all has done all year long. I think Utah State has a really great shot to go into this LA Bowl game and and get a get a win and bring home bring home some hardware. Um, so that's all we uh, that's all we have for today. Uh, make sure you're keeping an eye on Justin Rice uh, on defense. I think on offense you got to keep an eye on Devin Tompkins. Those are probably my two players to to watch. Although Logan Bonner, his performance is going to be really really important as well. Savon Scarver, what he's able to do is going to be uh, really important because I think a lot of times games are won or lost in special teams. And if Savon gets in on offense, I think that can make a, a huge difference as well. Um, some other names are for sure Marcus Moore, Nick Henniger. Um, Derek Wright, make sure you're paying attention to these guys. And then another huge one that is going to be really fun to watch, Calvin Tyler Jr., the Oregon State transfer, a grudge match. He has been a really, really good running back for us all year long. He's been kind of the bell cow at times. He's been kind of a number two guy at times. Uh, he's been banged up as well. But he's going to come out, and I think he's going to have a really good game. I think he has to if we're going to win this game. But I would definitely, definitely keep an eye on Calvin Tyler Jr. Expect him to have possibly one of the best nights of his career um, and if he does i think we are in really really good shape that's all we got for you today make sure you're watching these games whether it's on tv or you're at one of them live and watching the other one on tv but make sure you're tuning into both these games football and basketball football the la bowl against the oregon state beavers huge game historic game historic opportunity for utah state football and in basketball make sure you're tuning into that iowa game which is going to be um a big resume booster for March. It's going to be a big, uh, big momentum shift for this Utah State team and a great opportunity to pick up a good win and gear up for conference play. Huge weekend for Utah State Athletics and a great opportunity to come out on the other side uh, with some really big-time dubs. All right, that's all we got. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Share it with your friends if you haven't already. And don't spoil Spider-Man No Way Home. Go Aggies.